Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm. In the order it was received, please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible, and happy October. The Chicago Bears ended the first month of the season undefeated, but things are about to get just a little bit tougher this month, starting with the Colts on Sunday. I'm Roswell DeWitt. I'm very glad that you are here today for a Week 4 game preview. It's time to hit on some of the bigger talking points surrounding our Bears, a deeper dive into the stats and the matchups that matter this week, and just a whole lot more, including our predictions at the very end. Join with me is my co-host, Nicholas Moriano. Nick, I know everyone missed you in episode number 500, but on top of that, how's it going, man? Yeah, I'm I'm glad that you were there to you know experience that, Will. It's uh, obviously a great achievement for the podcast, but I'm doing well. Um, didn't have to go to puppy school today, and... You know, I, I kind of enjoyed that. Just got to relax a little bit, but I'm doing well. How about yourself? Don't ask. Uh, don't ask. We've already <laughs> talked about it uh, before we went live. I uh, had my second to last. Technically, it's our official last seventh grade game. We're going to be combining seventh and eighth grade for our final uh, week here next week. Um, but yeah, it was another game that I would like to forget, and I'm not going to drag our listeners down with it. I'm still pretty blood boiling in here, but I'm glad because we could talk about a team that is undefeated, that has been winning some football games, and that's our Chicago Bears. So let's go ahead and begin our Bears-Colts preview like we typically do this season, and that's with just opening the show with our big picture, initial initial perceptions of the Colts, and what kind of challenge they're going to be providing us this week. Nick, I think I was nice enough, and I let you begin last week, so I'm just going to jump in here. I think the Colts are an interesting test. I think the phrase you're going to hear me say a lot throughout this show is going to be, uh, one of those, what's the phrase? I am now blanking on it, um, but measuring stick, there we go. A measuring stick kind of game for both teams because the Bears, their competition we know hasn't been the best. The same thing could be said uh, with the Indianapolis Colts here as well, but the Colts, if you look at them statistically, offense and defense, they look to be one of the better teams in the NFL, and I don't know if I buy into that 100%. Our guest that we had on Tuesday for Meet the Opponent, he's not buying into it. He's watched this football team, but I do think – it's not going to be an easy week. I don't think it's going to be an overly tough week, but I do think it's one that's going to challenge this team and kind of show us who the Bears are, at least a little bit more than maybe what we've seen earlier so far this season. That's just my really, you know, my view from 10,000 feet of the air, who the Colts are, what kind of team we're going up against. How about you, Nick? Yeah, it's an interesting matchup, and I'm glad you mentioned, you know, the word interesting because you with who the Colts have played, the Jaguars who are 1-2, the Vikings who are 0-3, the 
the Jets, who are 0-3 and are playing tonight to maybe find that first victory against the Broncos tonight. It's it's a it's just a matchup to where maybe some of those stats that you see where this Colts defense is ranked the number one defense in the league. I, I can tell you no one would expect that coming into this season, but it is 2020. It's a strange season. But do their opponents kind of give way to why those stats are the way they are? But similar to the Bears, they are undefeated, and you see the teams that they've played. So this measuring stick, and I'm glad you, you remember the word, Will, because this I was saying when I went on uh, as a guest for a Colts podcast, this is what we were both kind of talking about. This is going to be, be the opponent that kind of proves, are the Colts for real? Or are the Bears for real? We're going to see it at Soldier Field on Sunday, and I think you know, just talking about it, we'll we'll obviously come to a conclusion. But same exact kind of uh, initial perception. I don't know about these Colts, but this is going to be their toughest test. Did you say they're undefeated though? No, no, no the Bears. Okay, making sure. I heard the word undefeated, and I thought it was parallel to the Colts. Mike, they're two and one. I'd, in this case, if I thought it, I thought someone listening may have thought the same. And I just want to make sure we're clarified. They're two and one. We're not giving them that win. We don't want them to give them that win, so just making sure. But uh, it does seem like you and I are pretty aligned here in terms of like what kind of team the Bears will be going up against, and uh, I'm excited to learn a little bit more about them along with you throughout our preview show. And so let's move on to the next segment here, and that's our three big talking points on each side of the football. And I want to begin with offense, uh, specifically because we have a very big discussion that needs to take place here in the Bears running back situation because it's it's going to have to evolve now here that uh, Tariq Cohen, he towards ACL against the Falcons. And before, Nick, you and I start looking at what life will look like without Tariq Cohen, uh, we do have a very special guest here on the show to start things off is our friend Mason West. And we wanted to get Mason's perspective on this injury, what the road of recovery will look like, and just a little bit more. But Mason, you know, I'm glad to have you on here, man. Uh, just bringing you on here. Overall, when you saw that injury, I know you and I were talking about it right after the game, right after the postgame show, you were fearing it could have been a little bit worse than what it has been diagnosed to be, right? Yeah, when you first looked and saw that injury, uh, the first thing you think of is something considered the unhappy triad, which is ACL, medial meniscus, as well as your MCL. Uh, that's one a combination that happens a lot, and especially when you have a contact injury versus non-contact, the way he was hit. Uh, it's definitely a harder recovery there if that was all three. But so far, the Bears have just said it was the ACL. What kind of uh, recovery road are we looking for for Jerry Cohen? Obviously, we've seen athletes, no matter the sport, uh, specifically a football here, you know, running backs have some sort of ACL tear. And I'm just curious, like, what the road of recovery, the rehab road is what I put in my notes, will look like for Tariq Cohen uh, and just your uh, thoughts about what it could look like for him next year entering training camp and things like that. So as we've seen, it used to be about a year recovery, but now it's shortened substantially. You know, uh, guys are returning back to the field closer to that six, seven month mark. And everyone's going to be a little different, right? Your normal person who might just get an ACL tear playing recreational basketball or something, right? They're not necessarily having all the same things that a Tariq Cohen's going to have at his disposal in terms of that recovery. Um, but it's not fun. It's, it's not a fun recovery. Uh, I've had two ACL tears myself, uh, that left knee and, uh, it's a lot of the first six weeks, it's just really boring, unfortunately. And it's a lot of just getting quad strength and, uh, just trying to make sure that you get full range of motion. That's one of the biggest things. And that's what people experience the worst issues with is if you lack full extension of the knee and then flexion of it after that six week mark, you can start to do a little bit more strengthening things like that. And then a couple months in, you can really start to get some more field-esque activities. 
and then from there it's just individual uh i know for me that second acl tear i was back playing basketball uh, like i said six months in um but the, one of the problems for Tariq is kind of the timing he had it, right, week three. So there's probably a chance he's going to be at least limited, if not doing OTAs. But, there, you know, he should be back for the season, though, which is a good thing. Uh, now, I know I don't want to put you 100% on the spot, but is it, it's never a guarantee, right, like to get back to 100% after an injury like this. I know we're getting better. Uh, like you said, it used to be a much bigger window of recovery. And, I mean, the the narrative used to be, like, if a player sustains this kind of an injury, you know, they'll never be the same dynamic, explosive player. I think we're starting to see that change a little bit over the years. Uh, when it comes to Tariq Cohen, what's your confidence level that he can come back and be that dynamic playmaker that we're used to seeing out of him? If you, like you said, put me on the spot and I got a pick, um, I would say, you know, probably like seven out of 10 confidence he's going to be back to old Tariq. Uh, the reason I say that, again, if you look at the kind of injury he had or the way it occurred, Normally, ACL is non-contact. It's usually a cut, and all of a sudden, the guy collapses down. But he had a player going pretty much full speed, argue whether or not he got pushed into into the leg. That, potentially, there could be some more bone-on-bone injury that happened in there. Um, that's going to be more long-term, of course, if that's more problematic. But there could be some ligamentous damage uh, deeper within, maybe a little meniscus that they didn't even see on the MRI. They're not going to know that until they get in there. So... Due to that part, that's going to be a little harder. Plus the type of player he is, right? So shifty, mm-hmm. a lot of lateral stability that's needed. That ACL, its main role is to prevent that lower bone, that tibia, from moving forward. And if he doesn't get that control there, get good hamstring strength, there's going to be a chance of that knee buckling and also just you lose some of that agility and quickness, which for him is obviously huge. And then you look long-term for him, that being able to wiggle out and not take the full brunt of force now all of a sudden it's injury after injury if he can't keep that. But again, with the way that things go, the way that current medicine is, um, and honestly also to the shelf life of a running back, it's not super long in the first place. I mean, at least for that, at least a couple years out, he should be solid. Uh, like I said, at least seven out of 10 confidence that he's going to be back to pretty solid old three cone. All right. I mean, seven out of 10 is worse than what, you know, any of the other alternatives that it could be. Nick, did you have any, questions here for Mason's when it comes to uh Tariq Cohen his ACL and just life moving forward yeah Mason I was just kind of curious what what is it exactly it could be a multiple multiple things but it used to be a year-long injury and now like you said maybe six to seven months obviously depending on the person is that just knowing more about ACLs is that just knowing the exercises to kind of work into a program to rehab someone effectively what has gone into I guess live or reducing the recovery time from an injury like this that's a really good question one of the things first and foremost is they realized that they were doing acl reconstructions wrong <laughs> to simply put it um the there's a the angle that they were attaching that graft when you know whether you're doing hamstring cadaver or uh, patellar tendon it was a couple degrees off when they were doing it they were putting it in the wrong spot and if you put it in the wrong spot and it's pulling differently then you're more likely to have a tear again Right. Um, in addition to that, it is a lot of what we're able to do now in terms of uh, strengthening the leg. So, for example, uh, there's something called blood flow restriction training that a lot of athletes use. I know we have it at our clinic. Um, it shows that you can uh, substantially increase strength like you're doing your one rep max, but with less weight. So because of that, you can start that strengthening much earlier in the process, just even a couple weeks out, more of that five, six week mark. Therefore, you're getting that strength and control much, much sooner. 
throw on to that what we found in terms of like aquatic therapy, right? You see the bears videos, we got that pool that they're doing stuff in. Um, you're seeing a lot of the differences in electrical stimulation, all those things. It just basically, because for the first couple of weeks, you're just protecting the graft. As soon as that heals after that, it's about strength and, and, and endurance. So if you can start that sooner, then all of a sudden your road to recovery is much more accelerated. All right. This is Mason West, physical therapist at Team Rehabilitation at Barrington, Illinois. Uh, Mason, I know you're always a big supporter of our show, and we thank you so much for that. And we also thank you for taking a few moments here to kick off our week four preview show with some good insight here on uh, Tariq Cohen, his road to recovery, and just a little bit more uh, behind the scenes and some of that more medical expert stuff than Nick and I can provide. So we really do appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, of course. It's always a pleasure, and I'm happy to hop on whenever you need me. Like I told you before, it's reluctantly awesome to have you on, and hopefully we don't have to have you on, but I'd be more than happy to if needed, and hopefully we don't have to worry about it. Hey, if I could never come on unless you needed me to preview another team's injury and why that player's not playing, that would be huge. That's that's best-case scenario, right? And Maybe, hey, there may be a player next week we need to talk about, so we won't get too far ahead of ourselves but uh one step at a time thank you so much mason you have a good rest of your night man all right thanks you too all right nick now obviously you know mason he brought in some good stuff but we need to start looking at the bigger picture here and that is life without Tariq cohen here it's going to start with this season and i think that's the most important one for us to focus on starting this week uh chicago they've already activated artavis pierce off of the practice squad looks like they're still testing the waters a little bit they brought in i think four running backs this week on a tryout basis including the veteran lamar miller so nick how do the Bears transition this offense without Tariq Cohen, and which players do you think need to step up, in your opinion? Yeah, it's going to be interesting because we know Tariq Cohen is more than just a running back. You see him lined up all over the field. Just looking at what Pro Football Focus has him lined up as in terms of snaps, 56 snaps in the backfield, 7 in the slot, 14 out wide. Right now, you could maybe potentially put a Cordell Patterson to fill that role, but we haven't really seen him play too much running back in terms of the rushing attempts. So it's, I think, a lot to ask for a guy to do everything that Tariq Cohen does for his offense, right? And he was having such a good season running the football that it's going to be running back by committee. We even saw Ryan Nall getting some snaps in the first. Going back and watching the film there, Will, I didn't know that Ryan Nall was even out on the field in that first offensive drive. He was, apparently. But it, it might just take him, Cordell Patterson, a Pierce, and obviously David Montgomery to supplement everything that Sir Crowman did. And it's it's not just um, like being a running back, though, because you could just have Trey Cohen as a decoy. That's just someone where defenses have to account for. So it's really going to be running back by committee, and that's why the Bears are bringing in guys to work out. A Miller, a, a name that I think we've all heard of, but is that the right back to re- – Again, it's not going to be replaced Tariq Cohen. Just try to get enough out of him in terms of bringing the other guys together to maybe get enough out of uh, those guys. So it's not one guy. It's going to be multiple. But the Bears have their work cut out for them. That's for sure. I think I'm going to say luckily, I think Cohen's role, at least through the first three games, was diminished compared to what it was a season ago, uh, even maybe the last two seasons. Uh, Not in a bad sense. I think they were getting more value out of his touches, but they How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. 
Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. Weren't, the volume wasn't as large. So I think what they're going to have to find a way to do, like you said, Nick, uh, is divvy up the workload. Personally, uh, I, if they're only going to get you know three or four carries that are going somewhere else, I wouldn't mind David Montgomery taking those carries. I understand you want to limit the contact on him as well, but I think you can never go wrong with getting him closer to the 20 touch, 20 touch mark. Um, say that 10 times fast, by the way. <laughs> but, I mean, I think Montgomery would be a good one. You mentioned Patterson will probably get a few. And Pierce, I don't know if you would see him getting those touches here this week. I know he's activated, but that he could be a guy that can get some supplemental carries as well. He's also effective as a receiver. Um, but something I mentioned in last week's preview, which was interesting, and now it's going to have to be the case, uh, was David Montgomery actually getting the bulk of the receptions, the targets at running back as a receiver. And he has that ability as well. Uh, we've seen it in spurts, and I think that they're going to have to rely, rely on him too uh, just a little bit more to be that receiving option. Uh, what's interesting to me, Nick, is do you expect them still to run some of that 12 personnel? I mean, we saw that a decent amount with Montgomery and Cohen out there, and Maybe you do it with Patterson. Don't think you do it with Pierce this week. Maybe that's something you have to build up to. But I thought they liked – we've been asking for that two running back set for years. And we started seeing it a little bit. And now I feel like, at least in the short term, it may go away. So with 12 personnel, they'll keep running that, the one running back, two tight ends, so 21. 21. Thank you. So the thing is, Will, I looked at this too in terms of like seeing what the Bears were doing before the injury or up until – Tariq Cohen got injured. They only ran 21 personnel on 5% of their plays, 11 total plays. And I thought, man, I thought I would have seen that number been increased. And even though now without Tariq Cohen, how does this change things? And look, Cordell Patterson is still listed as a wide receiver, so it won't even go down as as 21 personnel. They'll put him as a receiver, right? Um, I don't know if the Bears are going to do a lot of that two running backs in the backfield or two running backs even on the same on the same field there because they weren't even doing it when Cohen was available. So it was interesting that again, you were, you were thinking on the same lines here. Like, are they going to implement that? They just hadn't done it a lot up to up until three games. And I just don't know if it's going to change now that you don't have Tariq Cohen and Cordell Patterson's list as a wide receiver. So it's still going to go down as having another wide receiver on the field. But I, maybe who knows Matt Nagy has to adjust Tariq Cohen despite not having as much of a workload was getting efficient snaps you want to see you anytime you can get a defense just reacting a bit slower than it normally would be if you put Patterson and Montgomery back there and shotgun with Foles that's that's always going to be a plus on the offense but it'll be interesting to see what they actually do so they're not running as much as I thought they were at least from like my general perception that's interesting because I thought we saw it and we're talking about it and we're happy about it but if that's not a thing, then I'll just zip it and we'll move on. And that's why you're here to be my counterpart, to you know set me straight when uh, some of my gut feelings are inaccurate um, as well. Any other thoughts about life without Tariq Cohen? Uh, I don't want to keep it too short and sweet, but we do have a lot to get to as well. You know, I was really looking forward to what this full season would be just because he was having an effective season. He really was, and it was a, a lot different from what – I guess the perception was running out of bounds all the time, running between the tackles. That's what Cohen was doing, you know, a lot or when he was called upon to do so. But, yeah, just hope he's able to make a full recovery. Absolutely. I mean, 7 out of 10, it's be- I was hoping to hear like an 8 or a 9. I know he's not going to put himself that way if he's not feeling it, but 
it is a little, I would say, disconcerting, uh, just the fact that he did get that bigger contract, and now we don't know if he can be the same type of player uh, in the future. And you hope, I know he's going to put in the work. He's a, he's a work animal, and he's someone that will put in the effort. He has the heart and the determination. It's just a matter of the body responding, and hopefully that is the case. Now, Nick, Tariq Cohen's absence, it's not going to be the only thing changing up the offense here in week four. Uh, just in case our listeners at home, one of you have been stuck under a rock this week, you should know by now that the Bears have officially given Nick Foles, otherwise known as BDN, the keys as he's been named the starting quarterback. Things surely will not look exactly the same now with number nine under center. So, Nick, what does the offense look like with Foles under center this week? Yeah, so I think we're going to start off with this conversation, Wills. What Mike Fury said um, to reporters earlier this week, and here's the full quote, we're starting to do some stuff that we wanted to do. But we're also starting to see where are the adjustments to those things. If we're going to throw the ball down the field, then obviously the back shoulder things become an option. I thought that was a very telling quote from Mike, uh, from Mike Fury, wide receivers coach of the Bears. But that's one of the things that you're going to see more of with Nick Foles in the game. Back shoulder throws. There was one attempted to Javon Williams in the fourth quarter. They didn't connect. But you're going to see a lot more of those things happening now that Nick Foles is the guy just because he has comfortability throwing that type of pass. Yes, you did see a little bit with Mitch Trubisky, but unless he's throwing to Allen Robinson, most of the time those balls are not being completed. Another thing, it was pretty evident just in the short amount of time Nick Foles was in, the deep shots. Look, a 29-yard completion in Ted Ginn on 4th and 6, a 37-yard touchdown to Robinson, a 28-yard touchdown to Anthony Miller, and then a 30-yard completion to Jimmy Graham, which we all know that play was a fumble and recovery. But deep, big plays are happening now that Nick Foles is in there. And I think the most important one, arguably they're all important, right? But this, these anticipation throws where it's not where Nick Foles has to see a guy open to throw the ball. He's going to throw the ball before the receiver's actually done making his break because he's anticipating the guy to be where he expects him to be and, you know, make a completion. You saw that on the Allen Robinson 37-yard touchdown. Foles is winding up ready to throw that ball before Robinson's out of his break. And by the time Robinson turns around, the ball's there. And the DB actually has a really good coverage on the play. He's right there. But because Nick Foles anticipated the throw, knew Allen Robinson was going to be there, bam, completion, touchdown, turning point in the game. So there's a lot of good things that you're going to see with this offense. And those are just some of the things that I mentioned. Yeah, I mean, you hit on the anticipation throws is the big one that I wanted to mention because I've talked about in the past, you have too in this podcast, where the thing about Mitch is he doesn't throw it until it's open. And that's what usually gets him in trouble because he's throwing it too late and the guys, the defenders, the secondary, they have a chance to recover and get into a better position. And there's a lot of times where receivers too, they have to literally turn, stand, present Trubisky their numbers before he even wants to throw that football. And with Foles, it's a whole different ball game. Like you said, he can anticipate where receiver's going. He can, on the one that we talked about a little bit, uh, run to the L, right? Like he can change things up in a huddle. He can be super explicit about how he wants a route and he'll find a way to get it done. Like he commands all the details. And I think people look up to that. They respond to that in a huddle and they're excited about what that brings to the table. Um, his ability to stand in the pocket Despite pressure, he's not mobile like Trubisky. He's not going to be able to run 42 yards down the field and pick up a lot of yards, but he's going to stand tough. And if he's going to have to take a hit in order for that play to work, he's going to do it. But he's still going to put the ball in the right spot. 
He's going to step up in that throw, and it's going to be an accurate football. He's not going to step off his back foot, throw it up, have that thing arc, or just be sailing in a completely uh, inaccurate direction. And those are a few other wrinkles I want to see. But I do think that, you know, as much as what he brings on the field that I think is going to really help this team uh, with the deep passing accuracy, the anticipation throws, I do think, Nick, it's going to be that leadership uh, in between the play calls that are really going to start setting the tone a little bit differently for this Bears offense, uh, holding more receivers, I would say, accountable, and just giving everyone more clear direction of what is asked of them. And in addition to being able to check to the appropriate plays, that, that we're with all to know how to get out of a bad position based on what a defense is presenting the team and getting out of it and putting the offense in a better position to succeed. And I think what we saw out of Nagy, at least in the Falcons game early on, was a lot of those missed opportunities. He had the right play dialed up, just couldn't hit it, just couldn't see it. And I think now, I think people are going to start, I'm going to say to realize, but we'll get there. Uh, Matt Nagy, I think, is going to be perceived as a better play caller now because the plays will be executed better and then we won't see all these missed opportunities. And we're going to go, oh, that's what he was trying to do like this whole time. And I do think there's going to be a few of those moments where the playbook gets opened up a little bit more, the plays start being delivered a little bit more accurately, and we're going to be like, oh, this is what we've been waiting for. This is what it's supposed to look like. And I think once we see more of that, it's just going to make us understand why they made this change uh, even more. No, yeah, it's a really good point. I think it does open up the offense. And just one last thing, you know, I think with with Mitch when he was under center, it was, okay, first read, first progression. If it's going to Allen Robinson, those other wide receivers, they know that. (laughs) You know, like they're going to run their route. But knowing that Nick Foles has the ability and the option to not only, if my first read isn't there, let me go to my second one. And those receivers are going to know that. Like, oh, I better get to my spot because I know Nick Foles, one, can diagnose this defense and will make the proper read, the proper decision, and hopefully the a completion. But that is also just another incentive for wide receivers. They're going to be running their routes. They should be running their routes at full speed, but now they definitely are that Nick Foles is under center. Yeah, no, Foles is someone that, as we saw too, he'll get on the sidelines and uh, he'll get on you um, if you're not doing what you're expected or if he just needs to feel like he need to raise that energy level too. Again, these small leadership things. And when Mitch is quarterback, it's Mitch's team. And so he has to stand back. He can't be that guy. But – we're going to see that. And again, I don't know if you, I, we haven't seen many Bears games in person, but I know Mitch isn't that loud guy. He isn't that boisterous kind of leader, um, but I will give him a little bit of the benefit of doubt. Maybe like the cameras crews don't usually catch him in that situation every time he does it, but to see Nick Foles do it so quickly. And it just really did generate a spark in me watching. And you know, the players too feeling that get that sense. It's uh, it's, it's really cool to watch. He needs to bring back the visor though. I'll say it right now. I want to see Nick Foles with the visor that looked that looked, that looked good. I like that look a lot for a quarterback. It was nice. I mean, I said it too. I was like, ooh, I like this visor. And then he takes it off. I bet you in that dome, though, with the lights. and the It's the dome with the lights and that circular hole, I guess, in the, in the roof. <laughs> uh, so I guess it would be interesting with the glare and such. But hopefully it's something that he likes enough and it can go out there on Sunday. We're at Soldier. So he's pra- used to practicing outside in Illinois all the time. Shouldn't be much different. So, yeah, I would love to bring the visor, bring that energy and uh, – Let's see what he can do if he can open up the offense to the degree that we're expecting. And again, I think the couple of weeks where they didn't rush him into the starting spot is going to help him too, uh, just because now he's caught up to speed a little bit more. He gets a feel of what Matt Nagy does throughout a game week. They got a riff off with one another now, and now it's time to see 
how quickly he can drive this car and how efficiently he can too. So I'm very excited overall, but I think we hit on all the points how things will change now on offense. And honestly, we won't know until we see it, but I think we have some good understandings of what's going to happen here. So, Nick, on top of this, when we look back at that Falcons game, uh, one thing that stood out was the offensive line. Uh, They had a rougher day uh, than the previous two games. They gave up uh, 10 pressures to a Falcons defense that – Leading up to that game, they just had trouble getting to the quarterback. Uh, this week, the test appears to be tougher. Uh, the Colts are 7th in sacks with 9. 3rd in overall pressures applied per dropback. Uh, that's getting either a hurry, a knockdown, or a sack on about one-third of all those snaps. Despite, Nick, this is despite blitzing the second least in the NFL. They've also done a decent job of stopping teams on the ground, allowing the 4th least yards per game on the ground at about 93, and the 10th least yards per carry at 4. So simple question, complicated answer time. Is the offense line up to the challenge? I think they are, but just looking at the film from last week in the win against Atlanta, there was just a lot of miscues, and I ended up writing James Daniels' name far too many times that I would have liked just in my notes here, and just miscommunication, whether it was passing off a guy to the center or Cody Whitehair doing the same for Daniels. There were so many miscues to where there's – Guys running free into the backfield, tackling David Montgomery. Or Grady Jarrett's blowing up a play on a Fetty. And you're just seeing these constantly happen throughout the game. And it just was weird to see because the this Bears offensive line, it was humming. Through two weeks, they were playing some good football. But to see these miscues, the miscommunication, being late to their spot against the Atlanta Falcons defense that, like we, we've talked about in our preview, they didn't have a lot of guys, big name guys that are going to exploit these matchups. So it's a good it's and now this is a good test because this Colts defense, and we talked about it early in our initial perception, has really good statistics through three weeks. And I'm curious to see how Juan Castillo has maybe looked at that game plan from last week, made sure he's made the right adjustments according to what the Colts are going to do uh on Sunday, and then hopefully put their offensive line, this offense in a position to succeed but I think they're definitely up to the test through three games there's been more good than bad they just had a let up last week and that happens but I we need to see some improvement in terms of just communication knowing where you need to go who you're going to pass off when you're going to pass off a guy and then actually getting to the spot where you need to block if James Daniels Cody Whitehair really was the interior guys that were kind of having the miscues and you know there's holding penalties or Yeah, holding penalties on Leno and then Bobby Massey just getting beat off the line from a speed rusher. That happens. We've seen it. But it's the miscues interior of the offensive line that I need to see fixed up. Yeah, again, like every position, like every player, they're not going to be perfect on every snap. It's just not the way it's going to be. And I think, Nick, I think they played better than maybe you know we're being a little harsh but it's because they played so good in the first two games and we got so excited because they were just so god awful last year consistently awful (laughs) and when you see them turn it around and you see them kind of step back I think we get a little afraid right that little pit in the stomach like oh no are they gonna get right if you're ready to lose weight noom weight can help our weight loss program uses the latest in psychology and behavioral science to help you better understand your relationship with food and build long-lasting habits And the best part is, you decide how Noom fits into your life. We won't tell you what you can or can't eat. Instead, we'll give you the knowledge and tools you need to make informed choices that fit your lifestyle. Start your trial at Noom.com slash habit. That's N-O-O-M dot com slash habit. Back to that 2019 form yet again. I don't think so. Like you, Nick, I think this is a blip. 
I hopefully I think what's going to do is it's going to motivate them because they're going to see some failure and they're not, you know, Juan Castillo, he is not going to say, you know, oh, you guys failed. We're done. Like, no, he's like, all right, this is what we need to get that. You know, we need to get the freaking work and this is what you did wrong. And this is how we're going to be better next week. And I think seeing some failure with a lesser opponent, as much as that would suck, I think it's going to motivate them because they know they're better than this. And I think they're going to come out hungry, wanting to hit someone this week. And as long as the communication, like you mentioned, too, is uh, up to snuff, it gets a little bit more improved. They know what they're needing to do and not letting free rushers in or putting guys on an island that they're not supposed to be. I expect them to be better. Again, the Colts do provide a test. And how big of a test do you think it is? I I have some things later on in the show, and I'll get into, into some specifics of my own. Um, but do you think this is a legit like front seven to, that strikes a little bit of fear in you, or is it more of the opponent? Because I, I, actually, I'll pause because I do have some stuff later in the show, but I do want to make sure you have an opportunity as well. Yeah, I think it's, to be completely honest, and I don't want to discredit the Colts, but the Jets and the Vikings have, you know, they're good at running the football and things of that nature, and but they just haven't been able to figure out this season. And the Jags, I just don't. I, I don't know. Watching film from that Colts front seven, you see uh, Darius Leonard, who's the linebacker. He really pops out on film. But in terms of defensive line, it's like very hit or miss. So I just think that when the Colts were missing, meaning they're not making the play, so is the other team in the same sense, and you're not really seeing it be exploited as much. So I, I don't want to give them too much credit. I know they're number one, you know, DVOA ranked defense and all these uh, high accolades, but they're they're going to be tested this week against the Bears offensive line. Like I agree with you, Will is going to be motivated and hungry this week. All right, in terms of both passing, uh, pass protection as well as uh, you know getting off the ground running and generating some push up front. Right, just verifying both things are a part of this equation. Yes, yeah, even uh, in pass protection, I think the Bears, uh, they have to be better because now Nick Foles is their quarterback. There's no, if there is a breakdown in terms of, you know, pass blocking responsibilities, unlike Mitch Trubisky, Nick Foles is not going to extend a pocket and get 45 yards. He's mobile, he can can move within a pocket. I'll give Nick Foles that, but he's definitely not extending plays to the caliber that Mitch could do. So they have to be better, and I think they will. Okay, yeah, don't get too far into that. I have more later on the show, man. Come on. Let's hold some cards to our chest a a little bit more. But let's switch sides. Let's talk about this Bears defense for a little bit. Uh, And we just talked about running the football, so let's stick with that just a little bit. Uh, The big question that's on the mind of all Bears fans is, can Chicago stop the run? The Bears defense currently is only about five yards per carry, which is 25th in the NFL, uh, which sounds and feels uh, just as bad as it looks, uh, honestly. And remember, 2018, the Bears were the stingiest run defense in the NFL. In 2019, last year, it dropped ninth. So we saw a little bit of it going backward, and we knew there was the injury to Akeem Hicks, and both inside linebackers went down, and we understood that. But now we're just three games into 2020, and they're outside the top 20 um, in terms of a run defense, which is really, to me, it's alarming. Uh, and I know it's early, but I said it in a postgame show. I said it in last week's preview show. If they had a hard time stopping the run against the Falcons, they had a hard time establishing the run. I was going to start to hit the panic button a little bit. And you know what, Nick? It's been four days since that last game, and I'm still pretty darn worried about the Bears' ability to stop a running back and to stop a, a 
competent rushing uh, rushing, rushing attack. So, again, it's not really really the same level that we saw in the past. So the Colts, looking at them, they have the eighth most rushing attempts in the NFL. Uh, they really do like the pounding ground, uh, to stick it there. Uh, they're only averaging, um, in terms of yards per game, uh, 15th in the NFL, which is 119. Uh, and they're also below average. Uh, they're 24th in the NFL, 3.8 yards per attempt. So they're not, like, scary. They're not, like, a tremendously awesome team at running the football. But at the end of the day, I think they're effective uh, when they want to do it and average. And I think that could be enough to push around this Bears defense a little bit up front. But do you share maybe the sinking feeling that I have that the Colts do have a, a pretty good shot at finding themselves running with I'm going to use the term, and it may be a little bit much, but relative ease against this run, this Bears defense? It definitely has the opportunity to, and you got to credit that Colts offensive line, especially the left side, starting with uh, center Ryan Kelly, and we all know about Quinn Nelson, the physical monster that he is. So there's going to be opportunities where I think this Colts, gonna, this Colts rushing attack is going to get some big gains, but ironically what I think may help the Bears and this is going to sound weird that they are facing a rookie running back just watching a little bit of what Jonathan Taylor was able to do he made some big plays against the Jets last week but there are also some plays where he left yards out there and what the Bears have faced so far in terms of running backs you have a vet like a super vet in Adrian Peterson (laughs) he is a super then you have then you have Todd Gurley as well and then Saquon Barkley for a bit of the game, and, you know, he's, he's a good running back. But now you have Jonathan Taylor, who's still, like, there was a, for example, there's a third and three play in the second in the second quarter that, that Jets uh, Colts game, and Taylor just misses the hole to the left, and because the play's designated to go up the A-gap, he doesn't even bother to look to that left side where it's wide open. The Colts have to settle for a field goal. Phillip Rivers is talking to Taylor after that play, like, Maybe, hey, this is a teaching moment. Don't always. The play is designated to go one way, but you have the ability to get more yards if you go the you know slightly to the left. So that may save the Bears if there's going to be holes, which there probably will be, given how the Bears have played defense and run defense specifically. That they're not playing an experienced running back that's going to automatically know where to go and when to attack a hole. But if the holes are, you know, you can fit a Mack truck through there, then Jonathan Taylor will have a day because. Since that four four days ago, since the Bears have beat the Falcons, they haven't really gotten anybody to make you feel like, okay, we're in a good position to stop the run now. It's the same guys you're going to see out there. And unless Chuck Pagano um, dials up something different, we may see the same result because this is a good offensive line. So I am concerned, no doubt about it, but maybe having a rookie running back might help. They have others, though, that can get some touches too with Hines and Mack. And it's, so it's not going to just be the rookie. So I do – with that being the committee approach and keeping guys fresh. And again, I think we're all a little bit, I mean, the rankings speak for themselves. They're not good. And I know, you know, you face a guy like Gurley, but we've seen the Bears bottle up Gurley in the past when he was a Ram. I mean, we've seen us like completely shut him down. Uh, And on top of that too, like I know Barkley, I know the Giants didn't have a huge day, but the yards per carry is what really kind of alarmed us. And so for me, it's a matter of when I'm looking at the Colts, he said the offensive line, I think, we're all just fearing that this defense is regressing in terms of stopping the run. And they need to change that tune and they need to change that narrative sooner rather than later. I don't, I'm not going to say this week's an easy week for it. I'm not going to say it's an excruciatingly hard and difficult week ahead for them, but if it can take care of business, it would do a, a lo- it'll go a long way towards reassuring myself and getting me confidence that they can be 
the defense that we saw, heck, I'd take the defense we saw last year. A top 10 defense is stopping the run right now would be uh, much better than what we've seen so far. So we'll talk a little bit more about that, I'm sure, as we go through uh, the other segments of our show. But uh, there was a couple other positional groups, not just the defensive line, that really were struggling. I know you specifically said you didn't see the safeties doing a good job in run support. What do you want to see out of them this week? Just them be good at run support. Done. There were Moving a couple on. plays, Will. Yeah, just move on. No, it's just watch, rewatching the film and what I saw live. It's exactly what what I feared too. It's just it's weird too. There was a what was a second down play in the second quarter. It was a run to the left, and for some reason, A. Jackson has the perfect read on it. Knows exactly where the play is going, but he starts to stem inside. And what the running back does? There's a couple blockers in front just continues his course outside where he was initially going to go. And even Jalen Johnson was there on, on the play, doesn't make the play. You see the big 30-plus yard run from Brian Hill um, that the Falcons had. Tashawn Gibson is just dead in the waters, not knowing where to go. There's a lot of space out there. Don't get me wrong. It's not the easiest thing to do, but he didn't come close. Didn't even come close to to Brian Hill on, on even touching him or trying to stop the play from happening. So, I need these safeties to just be aggressive. I know both these guys have it in them to where they will provide run support. We've seen it, but they just weren't playing that way against the Falcons last week, and they have to do that also on, on the rushing uh, against these running backs for for the Colts, but also these tight ends like to catch a lot of passes in the middle. So there's a lot that I want to see in the safeties. Obviously, Deshaun Gibson gets the game ceiling interception, but... Run support's still a big part of it, and they better be ready because we know that the Colts like to run the football, will commit to it, and they just need to be better at taking the right angles and just actually making tackles. 90 degrees, that's the right angle. That is the right angle. They, I don't know if that'll help them. If Maybe it will. Who knows? They just got to take better ones than they did last week. Uh, understood. I do think, Nick, there are concerns on all three levels because we talked a little bit about the defensive line. You talked about the safeties, and we kind of just went over the guys in the middle, and I have them in my notes because they need to get better too. I'm at the point of attack. There are times last week where they were getting bullied in the second level, and I know that starts up front. I know the linemen need to do a better job of absorbing those blocks, but there could be times where linemen get free and they're going to come right at you as an inside linebacker, and you got to find a way to shed that block. Danny Trevathan and Roquan Smith last week had a hard time uh, disengaging from their blocks and getting off in time to, to make a play on the football. It's usually what you would see, at least last game, was by the time Gurley would get near them or behind them is when they can turn around and get off the block. But they couldn't do it while the running back was still in front of them. And that's not ideal right you want to get off the block and then go forward and make a tackle for a minimal gain not once they're behind you and chase them down from behind so like you safeties need to take better angles towards the football linebackers need to do better in disengaging from their blocks and up front they need to be stronger at the point of attack you've seen some good stuff from Akeem Hicks uh, Bilal Nichols and Spurts Roy Robertson Harris and Spurts but then I do think that true nose that we're missing is something that's still kind of eating at us a little bit and it's a trickle effect and I think it's affecting all three layers of this run defense for sure anything else on this run defense in general I don't want to harp on it too much but it is I mean out of everything that to be concerned about with the Bears defense that's about it yeah and like you said it kind of happens at all three levels and if all three levels defensive line linebackers and the secondary are having these miscues that's why we've seen this very spotty up and down Bears defense. We just need to see them, you know, lessen those mistakes. Or even one unit maybe can just not have the mistakes. Maybe you can salvage a play. So you can't have them all in the same one. That usually results in bad things happening. 
Now, speaking of linebackers, I would say Danny Trevathan, after watching a little bit of last game, had a better game than it maybe felt like on Sunday. I don't think we harped on him too much Sunday. I think we said it looked better, but I'm not going to say he's 100% back Danny Trevathan, but I would say he looked the best we've seen so far in 2020. Not the same caliber of player that we saw or we're used to seeing out of him in the past, but better. And hopefully that's the trend that's going to continue here for Chicago. Um, but speaking of him, as well as Roquan Smith, uh, they're going to have some tests uh, with some tight ends this week. You have Mo Ali Cox. Uh, we learned a little bit more about him in the Meet the Colts episode. Uh, he is leading the team in receiving yards. Trey Burton, he is also uh, practicing now for the first time since being placed on IR. Uh, would he want to play a former team? We don't know. That's always been the question here <laughs> in Chicago. Uh, looking at Phillip Rivers, I think these linebackers are going to be tested in their coverage ability this week because Rivers, he has the NFL's highest completion percentage Uh, he's taking what the defense gives him and he's not being overly aggressive Uh, he is getting very consistent production out of the tight end uh, cox he has 181 yards on 11 targets he's caught 10 of those passes on top of that nick i don't know if you saw this trend but he's also nearly perfect rivers in when he's targeting running backs whether it's mac taylor or hines he has a crazy completion completion percentage he's hitting 25 of 26 when he's targeting the running back. So when he's going for running backs or the tight end Cox, he is hitting on 35 of 36 passes. That's crazy consistent. Uh, So I think they're really going to stress the Bears linebackers. uh, And I think that's where the Bears focus needs to be is to find a way to alleviate some of that stress. Um, Nick, what's your level of concern here? Because as much as, uh, and I'll talk about this later in the show, but Rivers with that consistent production to the tight end and running back group, with Danny Trevathan in coverage, uh, we've known that's been a very iffy situation so far. I know the safeties are going to help here as well, but what's your level of confidence the Bears can slow down the tight ends or running backs or Indy as receivers just because they've had such consistent production so far this year? Yeah, it's, um, man, level of confidence. That's a tough one because this is a really good matchup. Luckily for, for the Bears, they don't have to worry about Marlon Mack. I think it was the first game of the year he went on IR with uh, the torn Achilles. But, like, the other guy, Naheem Hines is a guy that, when I was watching film, there he is again, Hines. Hines is just a little out in the flats, out in the flats. Like, these quick hitters, and that's exactly what Phillip Rivers has been doing, why he's been so effective. I think just looking at highest rate of accurate passes from thrown 10 plus yards Philip Rivers is ranked number two right now or number three in the NFL at 60.6 percent so that's going to go to those tight ends who love just love to work the middle of the field deep dig routes is where the tight ends were hurting the Jets last week so you have to watch out for that especially with Mo Ali Cox there and one thing that I really want the Bears to really focus on if I see this on film they have to if not that's that's not good last week for in that in that game Jets Colts the Colts ran a play where it was a one-man route, which Mo Cox is leaking out um, into just the, the back of the end zone. They're at a- How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. Goal line situation, touchdown. That's exactly what the Bears just gave up against the Falcons. Joel E.A. Buniwe was in coverage on the tight end. It was a one-man route, little, little corner route, touchdown. You know that the Colts have seen that on film. 
are going to test these Bears linebackers. And the Bears actually had all, they had three linebackers out on the play. None of them could make it. So it's a one-man route. And if Mo Cox is the guy that Phillip Rivers is targeting, like you say, he's been pretty good at targeting him already. So it's going to be a great test, whether it's a tight end or it's the running backs out of the backfield, that these linebackers, and luckily I think that's where their strength is, Will. They like to play east and west in terms of getting out to wherever it may be. Danny Trevathan, you know, we, we need to see more. But Roquan Smith definitely has that speed. So if this is a game about trying to get to the edges and trying to cover these guys, I'm not going to put it in favor of the Bears, but it's going to be a really, really good matchup. It is. No, I you took it right out of my mouth. I'm glad that I let you go first. I don't have to really rehash everything you said, but it will be – an interesting test just because the Colts have done such a good job utilizing these uh, secondary positions in order to uh, get some really consistent offense out of them. And we've seen the Bears have a difficult time with running backs, but it has been running backs getting like almost like wheel routes, getting more vertical down the field. So maybe the Colts throw that wrinkle, by the way, because we've seen these horizontal routes. So maybe you try to, you know, you bait the Bears into it and then you beat them deep. That'll be interesting to see if they have that up their sleeve. That's what I would be thinking about if I was the Colts right now. But like you said, if they kind of go with the same status quo, they're getting it out quick to the outside. Roquan should be there in a hurry if he can disengage from a block if there's one out there. Um, and Danny Trevathan, maybe he'll be uh, a few steps behind, but he'll get there. He just has to get a little bit more wind in his sails and you know grease up the, the gears a little bit, and he'll get there in due time. But, yeah, this will be real interesting. I do think this is where a lot of the focus will be when I'm watching this game on Sunday uh, for this Bears defense, for sure. That and running. And if they can really wear down this defense with running the football, I think this gets a little bit more effective for Indianapolis as well. But... Uh, I think that's it for defense, Nick. Moving on to the biggest special team topic of the week. Uh, I know Eddie Pinero uh, hasn't been activated yet. Uh, we we're hoping that would have been the case. I thought he tweeted something about going 3-0, and and he hasn't tweeted since his birthday in September. So I thought that was a good sign. Glad I didn't say anything about it because I don't think that's going to be the case. Um, but I do think the bigger topic, uh, if we are going to just understand that the quo, the quo at kicker will be status, how about that, um, then the biggest change is going to be punt returner. I know Miller did it uh, right after Cone went down, but since the depth chart was released, uh, it's always been Darnell Mooney as that second punt returner. And then when you check the Bears' depth chart on their website today, they have Darnell Mooney listed as the top punt returner on this team. I don't know. You can't predict the future, Nick, but would you expect Darnell Mooney to be the punt returner on Sunday? You know, that's interesting because how what Chris Tabor was saying today, it almost sounded like Anthony Miller yes, would be exactly. the guy. Right? So I don't know what they're doing. But here's what I want to see. I don't want to see, well, maybe Darnell Mooney more than Anthony Miller because durability has always been an issue with him. Thank Why, you. Like, he's just, I don't know if he's, he's dynamic. He is. He's a dynamic playmaker. He's a really great route runner. I haven't really seen him much in the open field, to be completely honest with Anthony Miller. And that's okay. I just want to see Eddie Jackson be that back there. I think that is the best option for the Bears because we see what he could do with the football in his hands. He did it at Alabama. I know it's like putting – anytime you step on a full football field, it's a liability. You could get hurt at any moment. But I think Eddie Jackson would relish and just embrace that opportunity to be the punt returner because he's a guy that knows how to take the football back for a touchdown anytime he gets his hands on it. And if you're getting a Bears defense that's going to force punts – I, why not have a Jackson be that guy? I, I think that would be a good move. But if Darnell Mooney ends up being, you know, their punt returner, I'm happy with that as well. But I was hoping that a Jackson would be in the mix. He's been wanting to play on offense. Hasn't happened through three weeks. So 
give him an opportunity at punt returner. Maybe. I mean, he did it in Alabama. Did it well. We talked about that years ago, and it would be awesome to give him the football in his hands. Two concerns I have would be, one, I mean, I know he's a tremendous athlete, but how much gas will he have if there was a longer drive and he's been on the field? Um, and then, two, that's a, I mean, I know it's always a liability, but I mean, we just saw Cohen, right? Like, so if you go Cohen and then Jackson, I mean, that's just a lot. I mean, you have to have someone back there, and it yeah, it's not yeah. gonna it's not gonna be Ryan Nall. So hey, yeah, I understand it, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I I can't remember the last time the Bears had a defender that did it besides R. W. McCorders. I think that that may be before your time. Uh, but it's also good to remember R.W. McCorders. That takes me back to when I was a wee lad. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, that's interesting if they would. I don't think they do, but maybe it's something they can throw in as a wrinkle. You never know. But, I mean, we yeah. know what he can do with the football in his hands. That's not the question. The question is, do you have him take the extra contact? Uh, do you want him to? Do you want to protect him? And then would he have enough gas? That's why usually it's an offensive guy because they're – off the field for a bit and it can go in and be a little bit more fresh but would be interesting i know there are guys that teams that use defenders but i just always wonder if that's a factor because to me it would be one but that would be interesting anything else on special teams this week nick no that that's about it all right let's move on to our x factor slash wild card and let's start with offense are we going to have the same guy for offense or am i just going to be too easy this week or are you thinking outside the box I was thinking outside the box. So you go with who? Or, who yeah, we who know. Who we know, Nick. There's one X factor this week, and that's BDN. That is Nick Foles, man. <laughs> you know it is. Don't even act like it's not because we saw the spark that he provided this whole team last week when he got entered the game. Not just the offense, but also that defense. So we talked. I mean, I don't want to rehash everything, but like we saw the spark he gave the offense. We already discussed how he's going to open up this playbook, how he's going to be that leader. That's an X factor. That's a wild card. That's an X factor. That's everything you want out there on offense. And the Bears haven't had that um, starting with the first snap yet of a game uh, until this week upcoming. So for me, it's an easy one. I wonder if the spark will last, if it can translate to not just this offense, but continue to have this team playing with a little bit more, more urgency, a little higher energy, and maybe just some more confidence. So for all those reasons and to every other detail that we already threw about Nick Foles and what he's going to provide this offense from a schematic standpoint um, as a quarterback, I, I do think the spark, Nick Foles' spark continuing this week is going to be an X factor in of itself. Uh, so that's the one that I thought was the low-hanging fruit that we both could have just cheered on and moved forward. But apparently, Nick, you're thinking a little bit more critically this week. So uh, who's going to be your X factor or wild card? Yeah, I was thinking a little bit more critically. And, uh, you know, Nick Foles is obviously one of the guys I was thinking of, of course. But I said wild card, and I put Charles Leno Jr. as this guy. It's very specific. But he's going to be going up against Justin Houston. And prior, look, Will, I should just mention this in the initial perception. I'm, I initially forgot that Justin Houston was on the Colts because I'd seen him on the Chiefs for so long. But he leads the team right now in two and a half sacks, and he plays a lot like a Robert Quinn does going to play a lot of majority of snaps on third down but he lined up on the right side of the defense 82 times versus 21 times on the left side so it's not that he's just going to go against Leno Um, and in my notes I wrote Charles Leon because I write notes too fast Um, but Charles Leno is going to be asked to block a what is still a good pass rusher and we just talked about you just mentioned Nick Foles he's not the mobile guy so if he gets around Leno 
most likely he's going to make his course is going to end with Foles on the ground. Just, just that's how it's going to be. He's just not the most mobile guy. So I think a wild card in this one, if he can mitigate what Justin Houston's been doing thus far through three games, I think that'll be huge for Nick Foles in this offense, just creating, I guess, consistency of just staying on the football field. So went really micro kind of specific for this one, but Charles Leno having a very a decent game, a good game against one of the better pass rushers for the Colts, I think would be a good wild card and one that the Bears would be in favor of winning. I would almost say you can use that as an offensive back-breaking matchup, but you decided to use it here. I have another one. I feel like if you would have had both, I would have called you lazy because, (laughs) come on, man. (laughs) But I'm glad you do have another one up your sleeve. But it sounded more like a a backbreaker to me. But, hey, those backbreakers, too, they're wild cards in of itself. So I like that one a lot. Uh, Switching over to the defense that you let me go first on offense, I'll let you kick things off for the defense. Yeah, and I think um, maybe this one's not as uh, creative, but I went with Danny Trevathan being that guy, and he went from 31 defensive snaps, defensive snaps in Week 2 to 54 in Week 3 versus Atlanta. So we we know he's going to be on the field, and I think that's probably where he's pegged to be out there. So you're going to have to live at what he can or can't do at this point in his career, and I think you know last week was a step up. But you know the Colts like to run the football. We talked about that. They have a good Good tight end in Allie Cox there. And the Colts' O-line is a good unit. So we talked about these offensive linemen getting to the second level. How are they going to be able to disengage? Can they actually, what I want to see from these linebackers, instead of waiting for the blocks to come to them, which you saw too too often there uh, in the game against Atlanta, they need to almost beat the, the linemen to their spots and beat the aggressors and not be taking the hits. They need to deliver them. So that's what I want to see from Danny Trevathan, more so than Roquan Smith, because I want to see just more, really, I want to see where Danny Trevathan's at. Is he going to be the player that we saw the first two weeks? Or is he going to be more so like week three, where you can live with it? You'd like to see more consistency, of course. That's what make more consistency in every aspect, right? But specifically with Danny Trevathan. So I'm going to go with him as my X Factor. Well, for all those reasons, I have Roquan Smith. So we're both looking at okay. inside linebacker um, as the X Factors here. And we, I think we kind of, not that we gave it away, but I think we expressed its importance earlier here in the show. But whether it's coverage on running backs and tight ends and stopping the run and shutting those blocks and, like you said, being the aggressor, beating guys to their spot. Because last week it seemed like they were stuck in quicksand would be a term I think you would throw out there, Nick, and allowing the offensive line to suck into them and just there's glue. They just couldn't get off. So for me, it's Roquan more than Danny because I would say Roquan's been okay this year. He's been good. But as a number eight you know, overall pick, he needs to be great. He doesn't need to be a good player. We need him to be a great player, and we heard all the talk about him taking such a huge step forward this year. I want to see him dominate a game. Not just, you know, stuff the stat sheet with tackles or anything like that, but I want to see him making tackles for a loss, big impact plays, you know, getting this team fired up, and haven't seen that so far. I know he's being impacted here, I think, a little bit with the play up front without a nose, but he needs to be a better player than that and find a way to overcome this. So I know Danny Trevathan's one in his own right because, like, like Roquan, we expected more. Um, I think with Danny Trevathan, uh, with his injury history, um, as well as his age, I guess we, not that we could have saw it coming, but it's understandable to see a little bit of a dip. Um, but with Roquan, who's still in his prime, and I know he's also coming back from an injury, but it was the one that he should be fully recovered from. He should be ascending. And right now, I think he's just kind of even keel. And I want to see him ascending and making a name for himself, not just in Chicago, but 
around the rest of the league and He's going to be put to the test for every reason we already mentioned, um, both for stopping the run sideline to sideline as well as up the middle. So to me, if he struggles, I think this whole Bears defense struggles right there with him. So from that reason, he's going to be my X factor. And speaking of X factors, Nick, I know the real X factors are those that are making a huge difference uh, to the both of us. Uh, and those are our listeners that have supported our show uh, with their generous donations. Um, I know I got one. Uh, I'll let you kind of, if I don't know if you need a more segment, usually I let you kind of start this, but you tell me what to do. I'll do it. And you have to tell people how they can yeah, help absolutely. support the Chicago. If you want to get a shout out on the next podcast or just want to show support to us. Here's how you can make that happen. Um, you send us any type of donation. Uh, we'll give you that shout out. And we accept those through Venmo and PayPal right now for Venmo. You can look up at the Chicago Audible. should find my name, the Chicago Audible logo, then at PayPal, it's www.chicagoaudible.com slash PayPal. Again, um, whatever you feel is right, or if you just want to follow us, tell a friend about the podcast, that goes a long way as well. Uh, just helps a lot of Bears fans to, one, find out about us so we can keep doing what we're doing and spread you know our, our, our knowledge on the Bears, and hopefully you guys will become better and smarter Bears fans because of it. But again, on Venmo, it's at the Chicago Audible. On PayPal, it's www.chicagoaudible.com slash PayPal. And you have the shout-out, right? I have the shout-out. Only one this week, but I'm happy to have the one that we got. And that comes from Emilio all the way down in Mexico, Nick. Uh, Emilio helping us out here, coming in with a generous donation uh, just a few hours before this show. So I think he knew, like, hey, there's a preview show recording tonight. I want to get on this week's shout-out. So, Emilio, thank you so much for your generous support, your donation, helping Nick and I out here this week. And you get the loan shout-out, so I guess you kind of get that nice spotlight here for just a moment. But, you know, like I tell everyone, but it's equal for you, man. Uh, your support is uh, you know, hugely appreciated by both Nick and myself and uh, so yeah. thankful to have you. Yeah, well, you know how Anything to say you thank to say you here, in Spanish, Nick? right? Gracias. Oh, yeah, we get that, that Spanish yeah. 101. Oh, I mean, I, was just, I didn't know if you were trying to make me say it. I was going to actually put you on the spot and oh, have you say yeah, like a full no, sentence I've, in I've, Spanish Unfortunately, back. with like grad school and now the football season, I have the, the Babbel app. If you ever use I I have not used that in a very long time. I'm terrible. I'm, I should know this stuff, though. No, yeah. You really should. And, I mean, we've talked about that in our personal lives. And uh, I know you have, uh, you know, uh, Spanish-speaking, uh, you know, family members and <laughs> – You'll get there. You'll be able to converse in the in the, in the other language one day, hopefully. But yeah, so you can't give you can't even give us a you know a, a thank you. Uh. This message is brought to you by Regeneron. If you have diabetes, listen closely because your ears could help your eyes. Excess sugar from diabetes could lead to eye damage and vision loss, even blindness, and you might not even notice it at first. So remember, now is the time to get your eyes checked. Eye care is especially important with diabetes. See a path forward with actions and potential treatment options that may help your eyes and protect against vision loss. Go see an eye care specialist and visit nowic.com to take charge of your eyesight. That is N-O-W-E-Y-E-S-E-E.com. Senor or mi amigo? Gracias, mi amigo. Thank you, friend. Thank you, my friend. Boom. One more word. Yeah. (laughs) That's all That's all I got. I'm sorry. (laughs) You did it. You Delete the Babbel app. You're fluent. You're done. And yeah, go go to town, man. <laughs> All right. Hey, but yeah, like Nick said, uh, Venmo at the Chicago Audible, www.chicagoaudible.com slash PayPal. Uh, help us out. Send a donation. Uh, if you can't do that, 
Uh, help us out with sending a review on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, or just telling a friend. All great ways to help support our show, our cause. But, Nick, moving forward here on our show through our agenda, it's time to give out the back-breaking matchups. This is the one matchup on each side of the ball that Nick and I believe can make or break the game. And since you already, I think, used one, you're going to give us your second backbreaker now since you used the wild card as a secondary backbreaker. So what's going to be your primary official offensive yeah, backbreaker? Yeah, I could put Nick four? Foles versus... Whoever on the defense, but I really want to look. Yeah, I really want to look sure. at this matchup and who is going to play a pivotal, you know, point in this game. I think David Montgomery versus Darius Leonard is a fantastic matchup going into this one. We know Darius Leonard for the Colts really does everything. It's a guy that usually racks up over a hundred plus tackles in 2018. I'm pretty sure he led the league with over it was 163 tackles. So looking at how he's playing this year, fast flowing, very similar to what a Roquan Smith does. Arguably could be better, but it's Darius Leonard's a guy that you're going to see a lot of, number 53, for this Colts defense. So Dave Montgomery, who didn't have the best day, right, against the Falcons, only 14 carries, 45 yards. The game itself kind of took away the rushing element out of this one. I think this was going to be a lot closer from the start. So David Montgomery being able to maybe, whether it's run over a Darius Leonard or just make a miss or trying to get to the edge, and we were talking about getting David Montgomery more involved in the passing game, Darius Leonard's going to be the one guarding him. Can he beat him to the edge, make those big plays that we saw against the Giants, a 20-plus yard touchdown reception down the the right sideline? So David Montgomery, I think, is going to, again, have a big, big impact on this game and what the Bears offense wants to do. That offensive line wants to make a comeback in this game from last week against Atlanta. We want to see it. It's going to start with David Montgomery breaking tackles, and he's going to see number 53 a lot of the times, and he's got to win more of those matchups, or I don't think the Bears are going to be in a good position. They could still win without David Montgomery, but he's, going, like I said, going to be a focal point this week. Hopefully the offensive line gives him a better opportunity. There were a few plays where he was contacted pretty deep in the backfield last week, and if that's the case, then that's going to be a tough one for you to win there or for Montgomery to win. But it's a good that's a good one for sure. And for me, looking at the Chicago Bears defense, I kind of went more big picture here. But, Nick, I think you'll forgive me um, after I explain it. But I'm doing the interior defensive line, uh, whether that's Akeem Hicks, Blaw Nichols, Roy Robertson-Harris, depending on the formation, the alignment. Um, and I would go all the way down to Brent Urban and Mario Edwards. Uh, heck, put in McCollins um, if they want to put him activated this week as well versus the interior linemen of the uh, Indianapolis Colts, Quentin Nelson, their center Ryan Kelly, and right guard Mark Glawinski because they're pretty good up front, like we've mentioned. They're a good unit. They're not, they are they aren't playing up to their potential, which I think to me is concerning because I think there's some room on the table for them to play even um, a little bit better here. But where I'm most concerned about are their guard positions. Um, they're pretty good in both run and uh, pass protection. And I couldn't just choose one matchup just because of this. Uh, the defensive line, they're going to shift around. And you'll see these guards pulling across the formation as well. So it's really going to be unit versus unit. And we talked about, the Bears' inability so far to stop the run. You need to find a way to bottle it up um, just a little bit and haven't seen it to the same level just yet. And Phillip Rivers, he likes to get the ball out quick so far this year, and he's not getting a lot of pressure right now um, in the pocket. He's only seeing pressure on 17.9% of his dropbacks. That is the fewest in the NFL. So can they get that interior push from Akeem Hicks? Can they get Blaul Nichols to do something relatively the same? Can they hold their own in the A-gap and not get pushed into the second level? These are 
all things that can really make or break the Bears defense's ability to stop any given play, any given drive. Uh, so for me, it's, I mean, hey, we'll go back to Brandon's day. Games were won and lost in the trenches. And I think the interior offensive line for the Colts, as how good as they are versus the interior defensive line for the Bears, it's as good they can be, but haven't seen them put it all together consistently. Akeem Hicks is getting stronger as the season goes on, though, which is great. Is really going to be what either puts this defense in a position to succeed or not. Uh, and I think there's a lot of keys here. So for me, my defensive backbreaker is a little bit bigger, but still pretty a micro backbreaker. I do, do you accept, accept my terms? Because Nick? it will play a big part in this this game on Sunday for sure. It's like I could have chose, you know, you know Hicks versus their uh, their right guard there and Glowinski, and I'm like, yeah, but then you know Nelson's gonna be pulling around and he, they're gonna be battling and. Hicks will maybe flip a formation side as well, so it's just it just makes sense to throw everyone in. They're all equal, they're all very important. I was going to say equally, but they could be equally important. It's all about that. All right, it's time to find out who has the edge. Uh, up first is the Bears' running offense versus that Colts' run defense, which I have. And I know the Colts; they look pretty good on paper, only allowing the 93 yards per game on the ground. But uh, I think they haven't played an offensive line like the Bears. Uh, wait, yeah. Flipping it. Hold on. So the Colts are good on paper. They're only allowing, yeah, the Bears run defense. The Bears offensive line isn't, is, is the best one they've seen so far this season. There we go. Getting my thoughts straight. It's late. I had a football game. I'm starting to run out of steam here. Uh, but yes, the offensive line isn't, is, it is the best one they've seen so far. I think the Bears offensive line, they're better than the Jags. They're better than the Jets. They're better than the Vikings. And we saw the Colts allow the Jets to top 100. And that's when, uh, with Frank Gore averaging four yards per carry um, as well. So I think the Bears offensive linemen, uh, using the tight ends as well, and just sticking to it, which we've seen Matt Nagy do so far this year, it's going to bode in the Bears' favor. Again, maybe we won't pop off for consecutive rushes of 10, 15-plus yards, but the Bears should have found a way in finding themselves effectively pushing the ball downfield on the ground, picking up first downs if it's certain short, or getting themselves ahead of the sticks. And I think if they can just run the ball consistently um, and effectively where it's benefiting the offense's position I think that's enough to swing this in the Bears' favor. So I'll go ahead and give them an edge here, um, even though it was something that's it's closer than it has been so far this season. Nick, over to you. Bears' pass offense versus that Colts' Yeah, right now, I mean, we, we mentioned it. The Colts are ranked number one in the league in, in passing yards allowed, only allowing 132 total passing yards per game. Ranked number one in points, only allowing 15 points per game. Number one, the league in interceptions, tied for fourth in total turnovers with six. So this Colts defense has accomplished some great things, but they've done that against some really bad football teams. And I know you can only play with what's on your schedule, similar to what the Bears have done, but we also saw what Nick Foles could do nine, what, coming into the game with 9.58 left in the third quarter, should have had five touchdown drives, had three of them. And he was able to have and show that chemistry with his receivers despite, again, not playing two full games and coming in the third quarter. What does a complete game from Nick Foles look like? I'm really looking forward to that. And despite the Colts having these you know, highly remarked uh, stats in the passing game, I'm going to give it to the Bears with this one. A complete game from Nick Foles. I'm going to see what that's all about. And I think they have the edge here. I'll give it to the Bears passing attack. All right, let's flip the sides of the ball here, and we'll start with the Bears passing defense versus the Colts passing offense, and that's mine. And, Nick, I mean, I was this close to giving it to the Colts. I mean, I was I was on the fence, and I went through all my rationale and, 
at the end of the day, I gave it to the Bears just by uh, the slimmest of margins. Because I think the argument could be made that the Colts do deserve maybe the edge here. Um, but again, if we're looking at the wide receivers um, and the secondary, the Bears easily have the advantage here. The Bears cornerbacks should be able to lock down an offense that's already down their wide receiver two. They're down their wide receiver three as well uh, that they had entering this season. And I trust Jalen Johnson. I trust Kyle Fuller on T.Y. Hilton. They've been playing awesome this season. But where things get real tricky, Nick, is the running backs and tight ends like we mentioned. High productivity, uh, consistency, and effectiveness when Rivers throws their way. And the Bears, linebackers, we hit it in full. They're going to be tested. So that one leans in the Colts' favor. And then when you look at the pass rush and throwing that as a factor, again, Rivers, he hasn't been pressured too much this year. Last in the NFL, Bears pass rush. It came alive a little bit last week, uh, especially late with the the game on the line. So can they make Rivers panic a little bit more, maybe force some throws? And he's a quarterback that you know he's going to give you chances, especially if you can get some pressure on him. So it, it all weighs into factor. You know, are the Colts actually really good at protecting the quarterback? Or is it, again, the opponents that they've been playing so far? So I think even if the Bears get a push, Rivers is going to try to get the ball out quick. So even that, it's a, it's a, really it's a flip of a coin. So I think since the Bears know that the running backs and the tight ends are going to be heavily involved, and they may not be all too worried about the receiver position, because, like, again, those one-on-one matchups, the Bears should be able to win. I think they'll find a plan to make it a little bit more difficult for Phillip Rivers when it comes to finding those easy completions to those other skill groups. So I think the Bears have the upper hand of forcing the Colts to do something that maybe they don't want to. So for that reason, the Bears get the slight edge. But it's slim margins. Oh, yeah, I have to transition over to you. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm done, taking a breath. Uh, so for you, Nick, uh, you have the Bears' run defense, of course, versus yeah, the Colts' running offense. Yeah, this one I think I'll make it short and sweet, Will. We haven't seen much from this Bears' run defense through three games, right? They haven't added anybody. I don't think they're changing anything schematically to really improve it. We know the Colts like to run the football. You know they're going to try and do that a lot on Sunday I know it's at Soldier Field I don't think that really makes much of a difference for the Bears right now I said that maybe having a rookie running back might help the Bears in this this certain aspect of the game maybe doesn't see all the holes that are there but I still am going to give it to the Colts here because I haven't seen the Bears stop anybody I haven't seen them you know become a dominant unit there there's spurts they have quarters even where they, they look really good against you know just in total defense, pass, run, everything. But I haven't seen it consistently enough to say that, yeah, the Bears are going to win this matchup. And, you know, you gave the slight edge to the Bears there uh, on the passing. I'll give the slight edge to the Colts here for rushing. I think the Bears will show improvement, but not enough to warrant me saying, like, yeah, the Bears got the better one in, in, on Sunday. So they're they're going. it's probably going to be, honestly, a season-long, you know, maybe – gradual improvement but we're not going to see it all come together on Sunday so I give it to the Colts I think that's fair I mean that's the first time Nick that one of us went against the Bears so far this season I'm glad it was you doing it not me and again I was very close too on both of mine imagine if we both would have prepared and be like maybe we're both going to give the Colts the edges here and we have a Colts clean sweep and that would have been not disastrous because we're just yeah we're just two guys talking football here but yeah, that would have been interesting, but I'm glad the Colts got one because I do think this is a close matchup, and it really will depend on how it kind of swings. But moving into our coach's corner again, this is a segment where Nick and I, we look at a strength. The other one looks at a weakness of the opposing team and uh, find a way to either exploit or overcome it. Uh, so for me, I have 
a strength of the Colts and what the Bears must do to overcome it. And we've talked about it really throughout the show, right? The Colts, they're, they're really good at a lot of areas so far uh, throughout these first three games. And uh, the one that I haven't dove into 100% yet, um, but it's still important, is the Colts' ability to get after the passer. Uh, a quick refresher, seventh in sacks with nine, uh, and they're also uh, third overall pressure applied on a quarterback, uh, getting a hurry, a knockdown, or a sack one-third of the time. Uh, and again, they don't blitz a lot, second least in the NFL. Uh, the Bears, Nick, you hit on this one for me, so thank you. Uh, you can't allow the pass rush to become a factor because Nick Foles, he's not a mobile quarterback. He's not someone who can scramble and extend plays to the same degree as a, a Mitchell Trubisky. So the offensive line doesn't get as many passes as maybe as they would um, in the past. And the tackles, they're going to have their work cut out for them. You have guys like Buckner and Houston. Um, even the other guy in the rotation, Altry, um, he doesn't get a lot of snaps, but he does make the most um, out of his reps too. So they're going to be tested and Foles, even though he's someone who can't extend the plays, something I hit on was his ability to handle pressure, uh, not collapse under pressure, to stand up tall in the pocket when there is pressure in his face. But still, even though he's good at it and he can handle it, with someone at his age, someone's coming off an injury last year, you just want to limit the hits that he's going to want to take. So with Foles in, I think the Bears, they just don't want him to be beaten and battered around the pocket. Uh, they want to kind of make sure his timing's on point. Uh, whether the Bears try to even utilize their own quick game on the perimeter, uh, keeping in some tight ends to block. Uh, David Montgomery, who, by the way, has been doing a sneaky good job at pass protection so far this year whenever there is a free rusher, or just wearing down the defensive line with a good rushing attack, all those things combined, the Bears just need to find whatever they need to do to negate and limit that pass rush, um, especially when the Colts are not blitzing. And watch out for them blitzing on third down, too. That's when they, uh, our guest told them that's where they will um, dial it up, um, but the Bears must find a way, and I think the ways of doing it, it's a quick passing game to the outside or quick right behind um, the defensive line as well and just getting the ball out quick, wearing them down with a rushing attack, but don't let those four down linemen bully this offensive line. Keeping tight ends a chip, whatever you got to do, figure it out. Don't let these four down guys harass Nick Foles and allow them to have seven back um, in in coverage. That's not going to be a good recipe for this Bears offense. So for me, finding a way to negate that pass rush, again, we'll see if it's good or if it's just their opponent. But right now, at least on paper, they're good. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep. All night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. That's why I'm going to say the Bears need to find a way to overcome it. And if they can't, it's going to make for a long day on offense. But Nick... How about you? What are something the Colts are bad at, and what can the Bears do yeah, to Yeah, so this one was uh, interesting because, look, the Colts are, you look just uh, at a first, you know, the first page of, like, stats. They're, they're, on, they're ranked pretty highly in a lot of them, but I found an area where they're just dead last, and I'm glad I found this. It took some time, but converting on third, yeah, converting on third <laughs> down, sure. Will, for some reason, that Colts offense just is not been good with that. They are ranked last in the league at only converting on 30.3% of their third down attempts. So that's an area where the Bears defense has excelled up up until these three games this season. Bears are ranked number two in opponent third down conversion percentage at 30.9%. 
So this is the area where the Bears need to stay consistently good at and the Colts need to remain bad at. And I think what's going to help the Bears, if they can take away those easy dump-off passes to those running backs like we were talking about earlier to Hines in the flat, have those linebackers be there, play maybe a little bit press-up man. That's a, that's an area where Jalen Johnson excels right now. And even Kyle Fuller maybe changing up a little bit, just maybe playing a little bit closer. So when it gets to that third down and shorter, wherever third down is, the Bears can come out, get off the field. That's an area where, again, the Colts, despite playing some bad opponents, have been bad. Ranked dead last in the league. The Bears have been ranked number two up to this point. Let's keep it that way on Sunday. But that's what the Colts are bad at. That's what the Bears are good at. And they can just take away those flats on Sunday to those running backs, even the tight ends on the quick out routes. That's going to put this Bears defensive position to succeed, get off the field, and give Nick Foles and the offense a chance to go score some points. You know, you're talking about flats. I haven't had dinner yet, so now I'm thinking like chicken wings, like some hot yeah, ones would be really good right now. That does sound really good, actually. Mm. <laughs> Man, you're getting me. All right, so time to move into the final segment of our show, and then we'll can get some food. Uh, we'll start off. This is our prediction segment, and it's time for our bold predictions. Uh, Nick, I have two. Um, I don't know how many you got. Maybe it's a laundry list, but I'll start with one, bounce it over to you, and then I can take another, and if you want to bounce it back, we'll figure it out. But my first one, it's a quick, easy, short, fun one, but I have Artavis Pierce getting a touchdown in his NFL debut. Uh, I think it's bold because I don't know if he will even get a snap. So just throwing it out there, why not? Artavis Pierce, someone I've been very high on since they signed him as an undrafted uh, free agent immediately after this draft. It'd be kind of cool if he's out there and – makes a splash in his debut and maybe we can rest assured a little bit uh, that the Bears have an extra back in this rotation now that they are down Tariq Cohen. Um, but again, that's a fairly long shot, but you never know. What about you, Nick? What's yeah, going to be I think your bold prediction pretty bold. this week? When it comes to the third quarter for either the Bears offense or Bears defense, they have been pretty bad. The Bears are ranked dead last or tied for last in the league. Sorry with scoring a good old zero points in the third quarter on offense. So they need to start off the game faster, and I think, bold prediction, they're able to score. But also on the defensive side, they're currently ranked number 26, giving up 7.7 points per quarter in that third quarter. So you know what? The Bears just have a phenomenal third quarter. They come out of halftime not wanting the opponent to get back into the game, whatever the score may be, but the Bears actually have a scoring third quarter, and they prevent the Colts from scoring also in the third quarter. So it's just a overall very good quarter from the Bears, something that we have not seen from these past three games. So you're telling me if the Bears no, get no. a field goal in the third quarter. Sorry, touchdown. And they it's got to be touchdown to... and zero. Okay, thank you. I was going to say, Okay, thank you. I was going to say, if we get a field goal and we hold them off the board, like that's such a, a lame duck bold prediction. I would feel so sad about it. I mean, I know they haven't scored. I tweeted that out. Right during the third quarter of the last game, like, hey, both the Falcons and the Bears haven't scored this year in the third quarter. And then the Falcons did. I was like, well, there goes one of them. Now we have us. So, yeah, I'm glad you found that one too, man. Uh, My other bold prediction I had um, is the Bears will take down Phillip Rivers four times um, in this game, which would double his current total of being sacked. He's only been sacked twice all season long. So four, I think, is pretty darn bold. I know we've seen this Bears defense do it before. Um, but obviously we haven't seen Rivers on his back too much as a Colt, and I would love to see that. So for me, that's going to be my second bold prediction. Any others you that know, you have that you want to share? I just want to highlight, too, the difference between like that third quarter and fourth quarter, too. When you look at the Bears' third quarter scoring, dead last. First, 
fourth quarter, they're the first-ranked team, scoring 13 points per game. And then even the fourth quarter for defense, they're number three in the league, shutting down teams. So we've seen that these fourth quarters where the Bears are phenomenal. It's really that third quarter that I think allows these teams to either maybe get too far ahead to where the Bears in that fourth quarter need to really play phenomenally on both sides of the ball to win a football game. You know, as much as those end of the games, like, kill me to watch and exciting as they are, it's hard to not get excited about being the highest scoring team in the fourth quarter as well as the top five or top three uh, defense with limiting points off of the board too. Just saying, like, again, you don't want to have to do that every week, but if they can keep that trend and not have to come back by so much, then that's going to help them come back or just be in the driver's seat um, for a lot of games and close games if they are leading. So that'd be awesome to see, but it's hard not to get excited by that stat. But I don't want to see it. (laughs) Not this week. Not, not, not another comeback. I, well, I don't know. We can keep adding to our sure. NFL record that we already have, but let's not. Let's, let's not. Um, MVB? Yeah, and I've been talking be? about him a lot all, throughout this podcast. I think it will be David Montgomery first game without Tariq Cohen. We know Cohen's never missed a game due to injury, so this will be the first one that Montgomery will be. He's always been the guy, the running back, but now he has to be because you don't have a Tariq Cohen back there. And Cordell Patterson is going to get his touches, but I think by when it's all said and done, the Bears are going to lean on him and maybe get their first rushing touchdown of the season. That's just a crazy – I know it's only been three games, but to see that the Bears haven't rushed for a touchdown, that that was a little surprising. So I think David Montgomery is going to have himself a day, is going to take advantage of my backbreaker matchup with Darius Leonard. And like I said, even though um, the Colts are – they have a good defense. I think that David Montgomery could still have a very effective day and actually get into the end zone rushing. Someone said, I look tired in the chat. I do. It's 10 o'clock. I, I coached the whole football game. I haven't had dinner yet. <laughs> Give me a break. <laughs> I'm okay. I'm okay. I, I'm almost there. All right. So, Nick, weirdly enough, man, I had David Montgomery too um, as my MVP. Again, we're going to expect some extra touches for him without Cohen. The Bears, they've been sticking with him even – playing from behind. I mean, I talked about it in the postgame show, just how proud I was of Nagy not being afraid to stick it in 32's gut and let him run on some very important downs, and it worked. So if we can get a lead in the fourth quarter, we can really start uh, feeding the beast that is David Montgomery, too. I have 18 touches on the ground, 90 yards. He'll catch four from number 35, and like you, getting his first rushing touchdown of the year. That'd be huge. And much needed, 100%. All right, game pick time. Uh, we're both 3-0, We uh, so kudos to us. Um, thank you, Chicago. It doesn't matter. We would have been tied regardless. But, um, again, loser Nick at the end of the year just put some pressure on. Uh, you're going to have to wear some Lions and Vikings and Packers gear, go around Chicago and, uh, you know, take some photos and maybe head over to Soldier Field and get, you know, booed on and all that. It's all going to happen to you because you're going to lose so what's going to be your well, prediction for I won't game? lose if we don't start picking against the Bears, but I'm sticking with them for a fourth straight time, Will. Uh, it's going to be their toughest test. I believe that, and it's going to be a very close game again. So I know I said I didn't want to see it, but I think it will come down to that fourth quarter, whether it's hanging on to a leader coming back. But I have the Bears winning this one, a close one, 20-17. to 17. Okay, I like that. Uh, Three-point game, low-scoring game. Weird, really weird. I have a low-scoring game. It's a three-point game. Uh, I have the Bears winning this one. 
this is hard to go against them right now. I do think the Nick Foles energy is going to help them. Um, I do believe that uh, the Colts are going to be a really good test. It's going to be that measuring stick, the the word that I couldn't figure out in the top of the show that's definitely sticking with me now. Uh, want to see them play a little more complete game. I think they'll we'll see a lot more efficiency on offense, which is, to me, very exciting uh, to, well, watch unfold. Uh, so for me, my final score is Bears 17, Colts 14. Um, it's not that the Bears' offense is going to be, quote, struggling all, like mightily, um, but I do think the Colts' defense will prove that they're bad. You know, I'm going to say they're good, uh, maybe not top three good, but I think they're going to prove that they're a pretty good unit. Um, they can fly to the football. They can move. Um, and then this Bears' defense should be able to hold the Colts to two touchdowns. I, I think that would be pretty fair as well. So 17-14, to 14, and the kick doesn't happen at the last second. The Bears start the game with a field goal, and that way the pressure's off of the kick. But we, we'll need the three points at the end of the day. So, Nick, you know, last week we were both, like, very close to the final score, and I know we were both, like, one off of, like, our point total. So I'm feeling, yeah, I'm we feeling were, pretty we were good about almost this. almost spot on. And I remember, like, when the game ended, I'm like, I think I had him scoring 30. I don't remember what I had the Falcons scoring. But, yeah, we were we were close. Yeah, it, it was pretty close. So, I, I don't know. I hope the Bears score more than what we're – expecting or what we're saying they will but I, I ever since last week ended like every time I'm looking at this game ahead I just low scoring this kind of a low burning kind of game is what I envision taking place here we'll see though uh, I just don't expect the shootout uh, that's the last thing I'll be expecting here this week all right Nick I know we gave the Bears the victory here but how confident are you what's going to be your confidence meter heading into this week because last week I think we both dipped did we both dip into the eights for the first so. time last this season right I don't know about you, but I, I dipped out of the eights for this week. I'm sure you may have did the same, yeah, but how low um, did you go? With this one, I mean, it really could go either way. It's going to be, I think, a one-possession game, and it could be anyone's favorite. I, I chose the Bears, though, so I'm going to give it like a six. Like This is a matchup to where I I need to see which team is for real. Is it the the undefeated Chicago Bears or the 2 and one Colts that have just blown out the Jets and Vikings and have been, you know, pretty phenomenal on defense and have been very efficient and effective on offense. So this is going to be the game where we get to see both of those are tested. And like I said, I gave the Bears the advantage, a three-point win, but I'm not the, the most confident. We're going to see what this Bears team is really about. And with a new quarterback, it, it could change things. But I'm going to go with just a six right now. Even though it's at Soldier Field, it's not the most confident, but the Bears still get the victory, and that's what counts. All right. Well, I'm a little bit more homeristic this week with my whopping 6.5 that I have here in my notes. So, like you, uh, of course, we both gave the Bears a victory, so it just makes sense it's going to be over the five threshold. Uh, I was surprised. I thought maybe you would have dipped into the fives with it being a three-point game. Um, I was thinking about it myself, but... Again, it is a game of finding out who's for real, and I do think that's why we both have it close because I think in some degrees we both feel that each of these teams have some good strengths um, and their weaknesses. You know, Each team has them, but I think they almost neutralize each other out in this game, which would be real interesting to see how it all unfolds. So for me, you know, I'm unsure, though, how confident I should be. Colts are a good team. Uh, I think they're looking to get better, prove that they are better than their competition. And again, that does sound very familiar with the Bears are trying to accomplish as well. Uh, so with this being the, I'm going to say one more time, measuring stick game, uh, unsure really what to expect. But again, uh, Foles of Spark, one more time on that thing tonight too. Let's have that thing carry over from last week because if it's not, um, and it, it is short-lived and if it was only a one-week thing and then the Bears' offense almost looks and feels the same, 
then I'm going to have some concerns. And I don't hope that's the, I do not hope that's the case. And I don't expect it to be that um, either. So again, I think it'll be a tough game um, for the Bears, but a good one. Um, if they can come on the right side of it, that will feel like the Bears are a better team than we do right now. So I think that's really all we want at the end of the day. Nick, any final you know, the, thoughts before the, we wrap things up? What I hope up? doesn't happen is that you know this game plays out and the Colts do play up to what their stats are saying because I think a lot of our opinions, our analysis going off, well, look who they did it against. They did it to the Vikings, the Jets, the, the Jags, and maybe we're – I don't know for me I just didn't give them as much credit as I think their stats are you know saying about this defense about this offense so I really hope that come by the end of Sunday Sunday's game that doesn't come back to bite me because who knows it, it could but like it's going to be the toughest test the Bears have had and this again going back to your your fray the measuring stick to where this Bears team is at so even if it's a close loss or a close victory it's really gonna show who the Bears are. Yeah, it really will. Um, I think, you know, even if it does, it shows them who they are here at week four. Um, it doesn't mean that, you know, it's going to be what it is. I mean, even if they come out and they blow the Colts out of the water, don't take that as like the Colts. I mean, the Bears are all of a sudden with Nick Foles tremendous, at least not yet. <laughs> Give them a few weeks to prove it. And if it's the other way around, don't overreact one way um, or the other. But yeah, it's a really... It's going to be a fun game to watch. Um, and what I love about the Bears, uh, at least this week, is they do play to the level of their competition. So if the Colts are good and they are going to play closer to what their stats indicate, I do think the Bears step up to the challenge. And now if they come out and they're not, then I think the Bears they tend to play down. So I think the Bears, either way, they'll hang in there. It'll be a close game. Uh, and we'll just make sure that the Bears and Matt Nagy find a way to be on the right side of the final outcome, which they've had a knack of doing so far. And hopefully that can... Uh, continue to be true here after this week is said and done. So I want to thank everyone for tuning in for this week's game preview. I know Nick and I, we both really enjoy preparing and doing this show each and every week. And I hope that you find yourself feeling more ready for kickoff. You know, our goal is to make you the most informed Bears fan on game day. And I hope you feel uh, like you are closer to that after listening to this episode. Uh, I do want to thank each and every one of you that sent me uh, an email or a message uh, congratulating us on the 500th episode milestone and requesting your thank you card. Uh, the flood of responses in my will at chicagoaudible.com email box. Uh, it really was incredible. And I look forward to sending you your thank you cards and uh, on top of that, I do appreciate uh, a lot a lot of you, you know, referencing being fans of the show, you know, however long it has been, a year, a couple of seasons, and there's a lot of references, Nick, of hey, hey, I remember you from when you were well, I'll say it. The Bears Brothers. I don't care. The Bears Bros. Like I miss that you know, even though you guys can't be that anymore, still really appreciate everything that you do. It's I, I love how people still reference it that way though. It brings a little tear to my eye every time I see it though. Uh but for real, uh, I am writing thank you cards uh, for those, uh, waiting for those to be printed and shipped over to me so I can start writing those, preparing my wrists, doing some exercises right now. I'm going to need it. But since I do have to wait, I'll give one more uh, shout out for it. If you want a thank you card, I'll write you a personal thank you card. I don't care if you live uh, in what country it is, what state you're from. I'll write you a thank you card and send it out to you personally. Uh, send me an email, will at Chicago Wall. Will at chicagoaudible.com uh, with your name, address, and I'll be more than happy to share my gratitude for your support of the podcast. So definitely do that if you want one. But the next time they hear from Nick and I will be as soon as the final whistle blows on Sunday afternoon. Will we be discussing the first 4 0 Chicago Bears team since the Super Bowl run in 2006? 
hey, you know what? There's a chance, and that's pretty freaking exciting. We'll find out soon. But until then, bear down, Chicago. Bear down.